Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 12. We're going to jump into the Word of God and today's message is titled Death by Transformation. Death by Transformation. In John chapter 12, it's leading up to some of Jesus' last days in his earthly ministry, and it's the feast of the Passover, and many, many people are gathered. There are actually individuals that aren't Jewish, but are from other countries that have have incorporated some of the Jewish practices that are, are there as well. And verse 20, we're gonna pick it up. It says, now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks, So these Greeks came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus, and Jesus answered them. He said, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Verse 24, this is kind of our key scripture today. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Father, would you come right now and uh, open up the scriptures to us? Would you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation into a better knowledge of who you are? Would you open up the revelation of the glorious inheritance we have with all the other saints? And would you pull back the veil and show us how great your power is towards us who believe? Uh, We gather together in one accord. We come with one mind, one spirit. And we're so grateful we get to do this. Uh, Would you speak to us now? We want to have an encounter this morning with you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. That verse 24 kind of messed me up for a stretch here because I thought about a seed, and if you think and picture a seed or a kernel of corn in your mind, it kind of seems like the seed's already dead, doesn't it? All by itself sitting on a counter, it's just a hard shell that you can't see what's inside. And so Jesus says, unless that kernel falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. It just stays a single seed. Now, he's talking about his, of course, death, his eventual death, and the reality that he was going to be buried, physically buried. And he was talking about also the resurrection. And as we were worshiping this morning, I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me a little more insight into this, even from the first service, and it's like I heard these words that death in the hands of the Holy Spirit is actually resurrection. And I don't know fully what that means, I'm still kind of processing it, but maybe we could process that together a little bit today because I believe there's something found in the reality of of all the potential that's sitting in this room, all of the seed that's here, everything in life starts with a seed, doesn't it? And it seems to me that that seed has to be in the right hands. 
And even though that thing might seem dead in the right hands, it, it could produce a lot of great life. And it kind of, it seems to me that where that thing's planted is important. What surrounds that seed when it's planted is important because if you think about it, and I'll put it on the screen here, the only way a seed can die, the way that a seed dies is that it ceases being a seed. It actually is transformed into what it was intended to become. Spiritual death, I wanna introduce you to spiritual death. Spiritual death is not just cutting away things. It's actually coming under the right leadership, the, the tutoring of the Holy Spirit, and allowing the Holy Spirit and the nutrients of the kingdom of God to begin to break down that hard shell so that that shell, once it breaks down, that life that's been trapped in there could actually get activated and released. Yeah? And... Romans 8, 11 says, if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, if that Holy Spirit is in you, then he says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is also in you, quickening your mortal being, your mortal body to health and function in life. And so maybe, just maybe, the stuff that you think is dead right now in the hands of the Holy Spirit under a different master, maybe that stuff could be resurrected. And you start becoming, we start becoming who we've been intended to become and that's how a seed dies, it doesn't stay a seed. Look at your neighbor and say, don't stay a seed. And we're confronted when we walk with Jesus Christ and we come under his leadership, when he's our master, we're confronted with the mandate that we're gonna have to grow. That we can't stay the same once we encounter him. Transformation in the Greek is the word metamorpho. I think that's how it's pronounced. <laughs> sounds good. And it means just to change, to transfigure to transform, to become, to change into another form. When Jesus was transfigured with his disciples on the mountain, he, he, his garments were brilliant white. The disciples got to see him in his glorified state. He became a different being, even though he was the same being that had just been with them a few minutes earlier. They saw a different manifestation of who he actually was, and it messed Peter up so bad that he said something really stupid. And Sometimes when you're confronted with God's glory, you just say stupid things. The good news for us today is that Romans 8, 29 says that those who God has foreknown, the Father who he foreknew, did you know he knew you before you were you? And even though he knew you before you were you, he, he called you. And it says those he knew before he knew that you were you, he, he not only called, but he actually gave you everything through the Holy Spirit. He's given you everything needed for you to become everything you were desired to become. See, Jesus isn't just after you becoming like him. He actually wants you to be in him. And if you're in him, you can be conformed to be like him, but he wants you to be you, the best version of actually you under his leadership. When you're in him, you become something transformed. 
Paul wrote to the church, he said, those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In order what? In order that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, and we all with unveiled faces. He was given the example how Moses, when he met with God, Moses would be so transfigured, so transformed, God's glory would be all over his face. He actually had to cover up his face. Not so that, to protect the people, so that people wouldn't know when that glory faded. So the glory faded in Moses' day, but in our day, the glory doesn't have to fade because our faces are unveiled. And we look into a mirror and we see Jesus Christ. See, we're transformed by beholding Jesus, not by better effort. We're transformed by beholding. And that's what Paul says. He says we're being transformed into the same image. Metamorphoed, right? <laughs> into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit, when he's in charge, death is resurrection. Sacrifice becomes something powerful and accepted by the Father. Number one, transformation requires a change of masters. How many of you want to become everything that he has designed you to become? Anybody? Okay. It starts with the requirement you've got to have a new master. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 says, Paul's referring to a condition of the people. He, he, he starts off and he says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Now, it's not your sins that actually bring the death. It's the sinful nature that produces the outworking of sin. Yeah? Before you met Jesus, you were born under the law and you were born with a sinful nature. So you didn't even have to be creative in trying to figure out how you sin, you just did it naturally. At least after Christ, you have to do a little bit of effort to sin. You should have to do a little bit of effort. It shouldn't be so natural. Right? One of the marks of being a man or woman of God is it's just harder to sin now. Okay. <laughs> Once you were dead, verse two, you used to live in sin. It wasn't an occasional visitor or guest. It was, it was a resident in your house. You lived in sin. Just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. You had a master, his name was Satan. He's the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Verse three, all of us used to live that way. This might be liberating for some of you. Just say that, I used to be that. See, don't forget where you came from. I'm serious. Some of y'all, just like me, some of y'all were a mess. 
Aren't you glad your story's being rewritten? All of you used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everybody else. But God, I love the but gods, right? But God is so loaded, rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us up from the dead along with Christ and seated us with Jesus in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. This is amazing. This is the truth. He took you as this seed that seemingly was dead by itself. Recreates you. Takes what was on the inside of that crusty hard shell, gives it a brand new life. Takes you from the kingdom of darkness and plants you in the kingdom of the realm of the heavens. Seats you with Jesus in heavenly realms. And our job literally is to just expose ourselves regularly and often to the kingdom elements. It just gets better, verse seven. For, so, so God, look, look at this. This is what is gonna blow the ages to come away is that God could choose radical nut jobs like us and make us completely different. It's gonna speak to the ages to come going, he used those guys? He said God can point to us in all future ages as examples of his incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It's the gift of God. The salvation is not a reward for good things we've done so none of us can boast about it. Nothing, nothing worse than a boastful peacock Christian strutting his feathers, <laughs> thinking somehow he had something to do with his salvation. Verse 10, for we are God's, say it with me, masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the very things he planned for us long ago. See, without being made new, you can't do the things he's called you to do from long ago. Before you ever knew who you were, he knew who you were, and in knowing who you were, he gave you stuff to do before you even knew who you were, and so I don't even know what I'm saying at all, but somehow, by his grace, he's gonna empower you to do the very things that he intended for you to do even before you even knew him. You know, the great artists have this way to look at blank canvases and see something, right? And then some of the great works of art that, that are abstract, you ever looked at abstract art? 
and you're standing there looking at it going, this is so abstract, I don't get any of it. And yet somebody else that understands what went into it stands beside you and goes, oh, do you see this? There's something there. They can see stuff that, that maybe our mind can't, and God can see stuff in your life that you maybe can't see. It's buried under a lot of crust, but it's there. He sees it. It's like Michelangelo when he did the statue of David. If you've ever seen that statue, it's, well, it's quite graphic. It's very detailed with precision. And he took this slab of marble, this hard surface. Some have said it was discolored and cracked and other artists didn't pick it. I don't know if any of that's true. But that's what God does. He takes this stuff that's discolored and cracked and he grabs a hold of us and he just starts chipping away. And the marble's job is to just stay still and just behold the master. What if we just stayed still every so often and just looked at the artist? Do, do you, do you, bear with me now. They asked Michelangelo, again, this might be just preacher's mythology, just to make a good sermon illustration. I don't know. But they asked him, how did you get David? And his response was, I chipped away everything that wasn't David. What if this is more about surrender than it is about activity? Because I'm about to talk about activity here in a moment, but it always starts with the surrender. It always starts with a new master. We gotta get comfortable with being his masterpiece. You gotta start getting comfortable every day you wake up going, man, I am God's original masterpiece. There's only one of me. If he would have wanted others of me, there's only one of me. See, we can switch masters today. We can go from the love of money to the, the love for Christ. We can go from the addiction to a substance to having our substance in Christ. We can literally change masters today because being mastered by a substance takes all of your time, energy, and your effort, and it shapes your identity and creates shame and guilt and condemnation. We can take our lust for money and see it transformed into the lust for the kingdom of God. Did he just combine lust with kingdom? Yes. <laughs> Jesus said you can't serve two masters because you'll love one but hate the other. You'll be devoted to one. See, whoever your master is is who you habitually navigate towards. Number two, if you wanna be transformed, you have to change your habits. Now that you are the masterpiece that God says you are, Romans 12, one through two says this, I appeal to you in view of the mercies of God, brothers, I plead with you by the mercies of God. Here's what Paul says to do, present your bodies, present your bodies. The only way to represent that you are God's temple is actually presenting your body a certain way. 
Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Again, I'm crawling up on the altar. I'm just gonna gaze into the face of the master. Holy and acceptable to God. Let's get something straight. Holy and acceptable to God. You don't offer yourselves to get holy and acceptable to God. You've already been made holy and acceptable. Therefore, you offer yourself to God. You can't in your offerings make yourself holy and acceptable. That's the wrong way to worship. You worship freely knowing you're already made distinct, which is holiness. I'm already distinct. I already have the Holy Spirit, so I'm gonna give myself freely now. I don't give myself to get accepted. I'm already accepted, so I have to start living from acceptance, living from the realm of masterpiece instead of trying to become one. This is your spiritual worship. Verse two, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but what? Be metamorphosed <laughs> by the renewal of your mind. By that, by that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. See what happens when you keep giving yourself to the master, you keep beholding the master, his thoughts start becoming your thoughts. His ways start becoming your ways. He's chipping away at everything that's not Jesus. See, what if he's just chipping away everything that's not Jesus in your life? And you maybe, maybe struggle like I do. It's hard to realize there's more of Jesus in me than me and me. God's not starting with garbage. I hate how we sometimes feel like I was such a miserable piece of garbage before Jesus. He doesn't start with garbage. He starts with you. You're an imager of him. You're just reflecting poorly for a season of your life. You're not garbage. You're not trash. He never saw you as trash. I don't care what your dad said or your mom said or a coach said, you don't start as trash even before Jesus. We're being transformed from one degree of glory to, you were glorious in his eyes. If you don't believe he loved you before you got saved, you're gonna struggle believing he loves you after. Why do I get so angry when I'm talking about grace? so mad, he's so good. <laughs> Romans 6, let's just break this down a little bit about new habits. He says, if you've been united with him in a death like the, his, then we shall certainly be united with him in the resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that you would no longer be enslaved to sin. We'll put this up on the screen. Don't just make sacrifices. Become the sacrifice. Your master is whoever you offer yourself to habitually. Whoever you're giving your habits to, that's your master. Wherever you find your feet going regularly, wherever your hands end up, wherever you find your eyes landing a lot, wherever your, your ears start listening, you understand what I'm saying. 
The kingdom of God's gonna radically affect your habits. That's the tough part. But what if death in the hands of the Holy Spirit is actually life? Then you can freely give stuff up. We know that our old self was crucified with him. We read that in verse six, that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Verse seven, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Verse 10, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. New habits require new considerations. Every day you wake up, you can't take a day off of this. You have to have new considerations. You have to think differently. You have to literally wake up every day and go, even though I fought with my spouse before I went to bed, I'm still a masterpiece. Even though my kids have told me they hate me, I'm still holy and acceptable. Now, I'm not talking about my spouse or my kids. <laughs> but do you understand? Even though things in your world are getting shaken up and they're screaming at you that you're a failure, that you're an idiot. The addiction yells at you and says you'll never get free. The spouse that keeps bringing up all of your baggage. It takes a lot of faith every day to consider that I'm a new creation. That old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. See, if you don't believe that, your habits will never fall in line. See, what a seed has to do, it has to be planted in the right place and it has to expose itself to the right elements. And when we give the members of our body to the right things, we're exposing ourselves to the kingdom nutrition. We're gonna have to simultaneously starve ourselves from the other realm the realm of this world, we're gonna have to find ourselves pulling away. See, when I got born again, my wife and I got born again the same night, we ended up at a Bible study through her tactics of manipulation. They were powerful and they were grand. And we ended up over there and, 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 and all the guys I ran and partied with, all my, 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 my fellow brothers who we once were those types of people that Paul spoke of, we once were that, by instinct we just, uh, got ensnared with our sin. Well, we did it together. We had community. See, sinners always have great community. And so that community all showed up at the study. All of us at some level with our wives and spouses, all of us came, were exposed to the kingdom message. 
we literally encountered Jesus. All of us surrendered our lives. But I had to reconsider my lifestyle. I couldn't walk away from that moment demanding that he make it real and me not be real. I couldn't put a demand on him that I myself wasn't willing to surrender. So I told him when I got born again, this was my sinner's prayer, you better make this so real I don't go back. So if I make that statement to him, I figured he's a big enough, strong enough God, he should be able to take a little bit of sass from me. That if I'm making that demand on him, then I'm expecting that he's probably gonna look at me and go, okay, you want it to be real? You better start being real. And what was cool, we had community. Now we just repurposed our cravings. Verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Gotta change your consideration and here's what you gotta do. You can't let sin be the king. You're gonna have to actually change some of what you hear. You're gonna have to change what you expose yourself to, is my point. Without a change of habit, the Christian thing won't work. You're gonna be bummed out because you thought he would just rewire you and transform you and everything would become easy. Can I give you a little word of encouragement? It gets harder because now you're aware that you're in sin. At least before I met Jesus, I didn't even think about the fact that I was in sin. It just felt right, I did it, I felt bad, but I didn't know what to do with that, so I just kept doing it. I didn't even know it was bad. Except it always made me feel bad and I just had to figure out, I couldn't figure out how to get rid of that bad feeling. Then I met Jesus and he took away all that guilt and so when I, I met him, you see what I'm saying? Now, if I don't change my habits, then even though he inhabits me, 24 years of habit might overwhelm the instincts of the spirit. So we gotta draw near and walk with God so we develop his habit nature. I'll tell you, when I got this revelation, after I met Jesus, I stopped using his name in vain. But I went to training camp and still F-bombed. But for me, I didn't have anybody telling me that God majors on that. I didn't know that was necessarily wrong until one day the Holy Spirit said, I was reading the scriptures and Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I was like, where's that F-bomb coming from? There's something still in here. I expose myself to something that still creates this cursing and bitterness. And so I had to re- Ask God to repurpose my cravings. 
Don't let sin reign in your body. Don't present the members of your body to, to, to sin, verse 13, as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but you are under grace. What then? Look at verse 15. What then? Are we to sin because we're not under the law but under the grace? Say it with me. By no means. Grace is not a license to keep sinning. It's the empowerment to actually change and be transformed. Grace. If you struggle with addictions, here's good news. Or here's a piece of advice. Don't ask God to take away your cravings. Your craving ability is not the issue. Your master is. Are you sitting here telling me that God put cravings inside of you? Yes, he put cravings sexually in you. He put cravings for substances in you. He put cravings, all kinds of cravings in you. It's just in our habitual nature, we've offered ourselves... With these cravings, we've given ourselves to the wrong masters. If I'm an addict, here's what I would pray. Holy Spirit, I offer to you my cravings. They're wild and they're crazy. They usually lead to death, but somehow in your hands, Holy Spirit, would you repurpose my cravings? Does that make sense? And so the community I was a part of, we just repurposed what we used to do together. We repurposed it and we craved, it created new cravings. But we had to start practically giving our feet differently. Our hands, we had to use our hands. You understand we had to use our ears differently. You might not be able to watch the same stuff you used to watch because when you're watching, a craving gets stirred up and it takes you astray. You have to be the governor of that. This church, none of us are going to be the Holy Spirit. Don't drink, don't touch, taste, don't touch. Paul said, that seems like wisdom, but it has no profit against the flesh. The don't, 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 don't you dare. Don't look at your teenage son and say, Tell him, shut down your cravings. Teach him about his cravings. Teach him that God gave him those cravings for a woman. Teach him that that craving in the right context, the right habitat with the right habit nature, that craving can actually bring glory to God. Don't ask God to take away your cravings. Ask the Holy Spirit to repurpose them. Cravings under the rule of the right master become powerful tools of transformation. Verse 16, do you not know that if you present the members of your body to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either to sin which leads to death or obedience which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. 
I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawless, lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to transformation or sanctification. I'm not telling you how to live. I'm suggesting to you that your habits are a big deal. Your poor habits in the hands of the Holy Spirit can become instruments of righteousness. You're not trapped. Same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, he can be in you quickening your mortal body into self-control. Your eyes can be repurposed, your hands can be repurposed. Number three, transformation requires a change of habitats. I'm so grateful I got planted with other brothers and sisters who were going the same direction. Hebrews chapter 10 talks about, verse 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Isn't that good news that he who began a good work in you is faithful to finish that work? Aren't you glad that all he requires of you is just laying yourself down and letting him chip away at you? When we come together, there's something that happens when we come together, when you're walking with the right people, when you're developing a habitat. See, you develop these new habits of getting the family around the table, or you as a single person, you've getting around the table with other single persons, and you develop this new habit of studying the scriptures together, the new habit of breaking bread together, the new habits of valuing what prayer looks like, right? The new habit nature. All you're doing is getting yourself in a position where you're exposing yourself to as much of him as you can. And when you get around the right people, man, you can consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more while you see the day drawing near. We need to get rooted and grounded in love. We need to do that in a habitat of wholeness. If this is not your habitat for wholeness as a church, then find a church that will be. But get with the people of God. Where wholeness is actually being developed, not control, not manipulation, none of that, but wholeness. Can I just make a couple statements here? we are not gonna figure out how you should dress. We're not gonna tell you how to date. This is what we're gonna tell you though. Watch your habit life. Expose yourself to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will not lead you into sexual sin. He won't. If you've ever thought you heard the Holy Spirit and he said, commit sexual sin, that's not the Holy Spirit. I'm serious. The Holy Spirit would never lead you into something that could take you captive and make you bound. That's your spirit. That's your soul that is filled with cravings. My suggestion is we all as a people surrender our cravings to the Holy Spirit and just ask him what we should listen to, what we should watch, 
what we should eat. And then if you need help in certain areas, you get it. That's all I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> Let's be in a place where grace becomes the very atmosphere we breathe. Yeah? Truth becomes the very thing that tells us where to aim and what pleases God. And then know, guys, that time's on our side. God's given us the gift of time. It's an amazing gift. That means it's never too early and it's never too late. You young people here, it's never too early to start radically serving Jesus. If your desire is to have a testimony of living crazy for 23 years and then come to radically know Jesus, it's the wrong desire. <laughs> I'm just telling you, it's a headache dealing with the echo of your past. And if, if you're here and you've still living in sin, it's never too late just to start serving radically today. You know what you get with that other master. You know. Why, why let him rule? Just switch jerseys today. You know what I mean? Like, stop playing around. Stop... Stop beating yourself up and thinking you're garbage because you've got sin in your life. See, the Jesus I'm talking about is actually a Jesus I could serve every day. Because he's a good master. He's just so kind. How many of you blew it last week in some way or another? You just failed to hit the mark, right? Bullseye was here and you were off to the left by about 20 meters. <laughs> Let's close our eyes just for a moment. I, I, keep your heads up though. I, I, I just, and the reason I say that, because he's the lifter of our head. Keep your eyes closed, but lift your heads up. If you're here this morning, I'm, I'm not gonna leave this moment on Father's Day. And I'm just asking you to stay. Just please stay, hear me out. This is that moment where we get a little bit queasy, we get a little bit more hungry. It's weird how we get super hungry right now and feel like we gotta leave. And if you have to go, I totally get it. This is nothing, I get it. But if you can stay, just stay and listen to what the Holy Spirit might wanna do. If you're here this morning, keep your eyes closed. If you're here this morning and you know you need to switch masters, Jesus needs to become your master. You wanna give your loyalty to him. You know you've given all your loyalties in your habit, your habitat, and you just know. You need to be made new. You need to be born again of the imperishable seed. Eyes closed. If that's you, I want you to lift both hands up in the air right now. Thank you, all over the room. Lift them up way up high. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to stand in the presence of the Lord. Yes, we should clap. Keep standing, don't, don't be embarrassed, listen to me. That night I wandered into that Bible study, 
That dude preached and said, if you want Jesus, stand up. And there was something that happened in the standing up. It's all like those lepers, you know? Jesus said, just go show your, there was something about them just going, they got cleansed and healed. There's something about just acknowledging my need for you, Jesus, that is so attractive to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's lift our hands, those of you that are standing, lift your hands to the heavens and all of the rest of you that are seated, maybe you could extend a hand to them and just pray with them. And we're gonna pray for all of us here in a moment, but I feel like right now, God is coming to you all that are standing and going, don't be afraid, I'm with you. Don't be afraid, I've got your back. Don't be afraid, I'm a good master. I'm not gonna lead you astray. And so let's just pray this. Just say, Lord Jesus, I cry out to you. I surrender to you. I'm done with these old masters. I'm done with sin. I'm done with Satan. I'm done with substances. I'm done. I know I can't serve two masters. Jesus, would you be my master? I surrender my life to you. I give you my heart because I need a new one. I don't want to be fixed up today. I need to be made new. And so Lord Jesus, here I am, your masterpiece, surrendering to you. Would you save me? Would you deliver me? Holy Spirit, would you fill me? Would you take possession of me and dispossess every unclean spirit? And Holy Spirit, would you rule and reign, quickening my body to obey the Lord Jesus? I surrender my hands. I surrender my ears. I give you my eyes. I give you my feet. I give you all who I am. I come to you today as the sacrifice. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.